Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. When was the last time you rested, peers? Not just scrolling Instagram rested, but properly rested. After studying for years and then launching her own business, today's guest, Anita Seek, was left feeling burnt out and overwhelmed. But by discovering the power of proper rest, the founder and director of WordFetty became her best self. In this high-energy episode, powered by Shopify, Anita shares why everyone wins when you take a break, how to find the spark that gets you up in the morning, and why we should all be following our joy. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at the Peers Project, so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Anita. Anita, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Ooh, I'm excited too. It's going to be fun. Yay! Oh my goodness, so ready for this. You know, you and I connected several weeks ago and when we did and we had such an awesome bond and vibe, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> oh, thank you for inviting me. It was one of those like moments that we, we were just like, we were like slow-mo running towards each other. We were like, oh, hi! <laughs> and it felt like we like knew each other for years. Absolutely. I love those kind of bonds. I love them. Me too. For those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. Do we want the long version or the short? I'll go short. I'll go short. Medium. I'll go medium. Okay, I'll go medium. 
Um, <laughs> so hello everybody. Uh, my name is Anita and um, I am the founding creator of WordFetty. So we are a human-centered and brand strategy school and we, I guess, teach brands that kind of like to zig when on the zag. Uh, how to stand out through psychology, human-centered design, and words. I guess what kind of, I'll give you the bit of a TLDR version, but we can go deeper if you want, to how I, I guess, landed to doing what I do today. So I uh, actually used to write things people don't read as a lawyer, and this was actually supposed to be a side gig. So WordFetty was actually supposed to be a side hustle for me to, I guess, tap into my creative uh, energy or creative bank account. Um, And then this was probably four and a half years ago now. Uh, four and a half, five years ago, and then I left my corporate job after side gigging WordFetty for around... 10 months, 11 months, and here we are today. Here we are today. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love it. And, you know, obviously I've heard your story before, but it's just such an interesting one. I think one that so many of us can relate to. So I can't wait to dive deeper into the business and everything you were doing at WordFeddy. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Oh, stop. <laughs> Such a good, juicy question, Michelle. I'm You're mean- good. <laughs> so I grew up actually in Hong Kong for the first. I actually was born in Hong Kong, um, but we lived there probably until I was around six. I am the only daughter of two business owners, and entrepreneurs themselves. So it's very, it's actually very ironic because both my parents were very much the opposite. They weren't like, oh, you should like, you know, be a business owner. And even though I was literally helping them with random things for free, because just, well, yeah. you, you know, you just help them. <laughs> yeah. They were literally like, look, you should go to uni. You should get a corporate job. It's stable. And perhaps a little bit of them were like, you know, owning a business mm. is hard. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah, I was born in Hong Kong and I was actually really raised by my grandparents, which is adds another different uh, layer to it because both my parents were always traveling. Oh. They were always traveling for work. Dad was always in like from the US to, so he was in engineering and in mining. So there was a lot of Bali trips, a lot of random US trips uh, all, all around. Uh, and then mum was also a business owner in a completely different business as she started and she was always traveling as well. So my grandparents pretty much raised me and I think there was it was both in a way good and bad, I think, on reflection. I've been doing a lot of thinking about how much my childhood has impacted on the decisions and how I am today. And I think on the good side, like, yay, Anita got happy meals and, you know, got whatever she wanted and it was awesome. But I think on the other side, it was really strange when, so my grandparents, my, my grandpa actually passed away when I was six or seven, uh, but it was almost like losing a, a a bit of a fatherly figure then, even though, oh. I, of course, I have my dad. And then that was when mum started to put a pause on all her travel. And started to be home a lot more. 
And that was when I was around six, seven. And I, I, I remember and I, you know, this is something I feel like has still lingered on, but I feel like that relationship and that bond, it was almost like, who are you? <laughs> now you're telling me what to do? Like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, you know, grandpa and grandma has been telling me what to do. Like, who are you to tell me what to do now? And I think wow. I was definitely a very, very rebellious teenager. Very rebellious. And, um, yeah, like, I think that was probably one part of it. The second part of it is growing up in Hong Kong for the first six, seven years was very insightful because there's such, it was such like a linear journey that was expected of everyone. It was literally you study very hard, you excel at everything, uh, you get into the best uni, you study either law or medicine, which again was the route I ended up taking in law because I couldn't get now. Well, actually, not that I couldn't, but uh, Anita doesn't like blood, but which means I also uh, yeah wouldn't have really made a good doctor <laughs> or a vet. I was thinking of being a vet until I realized I had to put animals down. Mm. But yeah, it was interesting because I definitely came from a very uh, achieving background as well with both my parents, uh, always celebrating when I would achieve, uh, achieve something. House captain, uh, yay, like you, we get to go out for dinner. Like it's always <laughs> like when I achieve something epic, that is when I get some rewards. So now my brain is literally like, I need to do, 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 achieve, make things go wow. Because that is almost like how I see love is without that sounding yes. too deep. Because I'm like, you know, when I achieve, when I do things that are awesome, people give me attention or people love me. Yeah. My parents love me and my parents make time to come to assemblies. So I want to do more of that. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully that made sense. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It absolutely did. And I didn't know that. Hong Kong, mm, super Hong Kong. interesting. And I think you're just so right. I think it's almost in our late 20s, 30s, 40s even, you know, for our peers out there listening, that we start to reflect and think about, you know, why are we the way we are? And, you know, mm. why is it that we go off and start these businesses or, you know, do whatever we need to do? And for our peers out there listening, like all of you guys are high achievers, so we're all just in the same bloody boat. Um, but, oh yes. you know, how, how do you think that dynamic of – achieving and then reward, achieving and then reward impacted you in more kind of your teens and then heading into uni, you know, in what ways do you think it supported you and helped you? And in what ways do you think it actually just brought you down perhaps? Yeah, I think it definitely, definitely both pluses and uh, negatives. I think the plus side is, gosh, I, there was, I would not take no for an end. I would just, I will find a way. I will find a way to make it work. And, you know, on the, it, it was hard because there was a part of me that knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. But then I was like, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Like, what else am I supposed to do with my life? So it's almost and, – and, and this is the crazy thing about almost when I look at the education system, which is almost like you have to choose this career you're supposed to dive into uh, when you're, what, 18, 17? You, you don't, you, you're not freaking matured yet. Like, I was still a ch like a freaking child. I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So going into that, I there was a part of me that 
knew I didn't want to be a, a lawyer, but I just did it anyway because that's what the parents said and that's what everyone else around me was doing, going to uni and studying and all of that. But I think to answer your question there, like the good thing with that drive and that achieving um thing, uh, I guess that achieving upbringing is the fact that I, one, wouldn't take no for an answer and two, I, although I wouldn't always have the, what is it, intellectual stamina, I don't know if that is the, uh, that is a phrase now, I would almost beat anyone when it came to how hard I worked. So I would be in the library, I would absorb all the textbooks, like after school care was spent in the library... One, it was free, but also two, (laughs) but also two, it was like a playground for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, like you can absorb books and textbooks written by like people who have done studies over the last 20, 30, 40. Why would you not absorb this? So, you know, I spent so much time in libraries. I read so much. Um, so although like I was actually one of the first people in my family to go through university too. So although I didn't kind of have that, you know, my parents weren't doctors, my parents weren't like, you know, mum didn't even go finish uh, school even. So it's it's almost like I was able to, I feel, like beat everyone when it comes to how hard I worked. Then came, you know, even Anita in, in the corporate job, like, and I worked in government. Technically, you could, you could, if you really want to, like leave at 4.59 yeah. on the dot. But Anita was still there at 7, yeah. 7 p.m. Because I'm like, no, I'm on a roll. <laughs> I am on a roll, okay? We keep going. <laughs> I would stay around because I was on a roll. And that then also reflected through now in my business. And I'm still getting better at this. I'm not going to lie. I have to be very honest. I'm still trying very hard to somewhat learn and unlearn and use that achieving I guess, drive to my advantage instead of letting it drive me down the ground. Because it's happened and it is not pretty. Uh, Very, very not pretty. And I I really hope for everyone that's listening that you guys don't, because you hear stories like this and you're like, oh, yes, I've got to make time for rest. I've got to do all of that. But I really hoped that none of you listening actually have to go through that to actually realize because it took me a good year to actually figure out uh, after being knocked, like literally knocked down to be like, what was that for? Like, what was all that for? Who am I trying? What am I trying to prove? And I think on reflection, the, it, 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 that gave me the opportunity to really pause and consider what success meant for me. You know, you and I were chatting about this on um, like a separate call that we had, but it, it's almost like what what does success actually mean? Not for mum, not for dad, not for, you know, some your peers, but actually, you know, you. Like what does it actually mean for you? And a lot of the time it's not something that's tangible or even if you think it's something that's tangible, you want to buy that dream house. Freedom is always that. But what is what does that actually look like and what does that actually feel like? Because if you actually got, get really granular about what that is, you will probably realise that you can inject or sprinkle a bit of that in your everyday now. Like, if freedom is the ability to actually have white space and to be able to not stress and worry, then guess what? You, you get to actually design your day 
to not feel that stress. So if that means you put your phone on aeroplane mode until 10 a.m. so that you've got your own time, and look, it looks different for everyone, then do that. And I think this is my final bit because I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but it's almost like when people say, I don't have the time, you're handing the remote control of your life to someone else. I don't have the time. Well, you're the time creator. (laughs) You get to design your day. Hello. So I, I personally put in my holidays, my desired holidays first now. And I know uh, for some people who are listening at the moment, you might be in lockdown, but that also means like, if that means that you're just sitting there and you're not doing anything, Boredom can lead to brilliance. So, you know, like, it's okay to be bored. That's actually where my best ideas are born. (laughs) (laughs) How can we get better at, I think there's, like, there's so much of what you're saying that I'm just nodding along, but there's also this one inkling that's like, yeah, but, you know, I've got to, I've got to go out there and do what I've got to do. How can we get better at finding the balance, perhaps, or the integration mm. of yes. work life and 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 having that white space or that free time, but also still actually getting to where we want to go. Ooh, I love how you mentioned integration there mm. because I think that's the first bit. It's it's not so much work-life balance, but it's actually in a way work-life integration is what I believe because so much of our work, and this, this is relevant whether or not you're a business owner or you're in corporate, like for a lot of you guys that are listening, which, you know, Michelle mentioned you guys are high achievers. <laughs> so it's almost like you – I bet are, are, are people who have a million tabs open. You are probably people who will probably reply to emails when you're in your bath, <laughs> uh, having a bubble bath uh, on the toilet. <laughs> me too. Me three. And you're probably someone who, even though you are switching off, you are still taking work and ideas and thinking about your work home. And that is still working. Like you think you've finished, you've closed off the laptop, but the tabs are still open in your brain and you're still working. So the biggest thing that I've found to have helped me is actually be okay with completely not thinking and not doing anything related to work. So let me dive deeper into that. Because the thing is, This idea of work-life balance or work-life integration sounds easy and all if it worked as easy as that, where we just simply close off the computer and we're able to just go to sleep and our brain apparently doesn't have a rave at 2 a.m. with all these grand business ideas that is going to well dominate, right? But it happens. (laughs) It happens because we... Our brains um, are literally like that is how we get like that dopamine hit for us. Like we get so excited about that next potential idea, that next business change we can make, more impact that we can create. So I think when I start to shift the way I look at what high performance and productivity is, and that is rest is also productive. And rest is not just sleeping. Rest is not also napping. Rest is actually simply the idea of being intentional with not consuming information. If we're actually looking at the science of what rest is, rest is actually deciding to choose not to let 
whether or not it's content, whether or not it's news, whether or not it's just information, ideas, thinking, consume our brain and just to actually let it just like literally just be mellow. Be a marshmallow. I don't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> that, or, or just be tofu a little bit. <laughs> I love oh, all these too. words. Maybe I'm hungry. <laughs> so, yeah, just to actually intentionally choose not to consume information. And for me, the, the biggest hazard cone that came with that was guilt. Hmm. So then I was like, uh, Anita, what are you doing? Like, why are you being such a sloth? Like, watching like a whole season of Bridgerton. Like, what? Why would you do that? Oh, oh my gosh, you're watching you. Oh, like you should be working while watching you. Why don't you do that? So I had to really start to actually, literally tell myself and be like, you know what? No, I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this lunch break and I'm going to take two hours because that's what my brain needs to recharge. And when I do that, everyone wins. My clients, the people around me, my family, my partner who will not have to, you know, be faced with grumpy Anita. You know, everyone wins when you let yourself rest. Oh, yes. Yes, Anita. I love it. So I want to dive deeper into the story, you know, so you're hustling hard, you're in your teens, it's happening, you're achieving, you're achieving, you get into law school, then you get into working for the Vic I think it was Department of Justice or something, Attorney General in, in Queensland. Yeah, Queensland, yeah. And you're hustling away. At what point for you did all of this start to click? Or perhaps you started to mm. question what was happening. You know, you mentioned that you don't really want to be a lawyer, mm. but you just had, didn't have much, you know, you didn't know what else to do. When did that start to click for you? And I guess for our peers out there listening, who feel like perhaps they're in the exact same situation that you were five, six, seven years ago, what would you say to us? Mm. So uh, there were actually, uh, I'll answer to the first bit first. So what actually clicked, there was actually both a personal and probably a professional event that kind of happened. Uh, The personal one was actually towards the end of my degree, I actually lost my dad quite suddenly. So it was a massive watermelon to the head moment. And so I was probably four, so I did a dual degree, so it took me like forever, Uh, but it took me probably around five and a half years. And this happened probably around the fifth year or almost uh, four and a half. So just as I was about to finish, uh, I had a phone call that pretty much said, you might want to get here and here is Hong Kong because that was where dad was admitted into hospital there. And he was actually diagnosed with terminal cancer. It just came out of nowhere. He's the most fittest man I know. So, and I was in, in a corporate job then, uh, I left that and then moved to Hong Kong, back to Hong Kong for six months to be his personal carer. And that was when my eyes really opened because for so long, first of all, I need to grow up overnight. But also, second of all, I was like, this man who I've seen hustle, work so, so, so hard and would barely be home. And of course, I'm going to be there. He's my dad. Like, no, like look at where he is at now like he there is nothing else we can there is no cure there is nothing else we can do like what what for 
And I wish I could ask him those questions and literally be like, what were you working so hard for? And it's, it's interesting because I know, without him answering, like, I know he wanted to create this incredible life for our family. I know he wanted to take us to uh, overseas trips, which we did, and that was awesome. But that was how he measured that success, something that was external. So that was the first watermelon to the head moment. And then lost him... Um, he actually ended up leaving for another 10 months. So doctors were like three months and I'm like, 10 months, take that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, after I lost dad, I then, I just finished the degree because I was so close and then kept going with a corporate job. And I hustled, like you said, uh, because I still didn't really know what else to do. And I just kept working hard, kept working hard, got promoted, got promoted. And there was a bit of me that was like, if I reach that role, I'll be happy. Like, I'll I'll, I'll have made it. I wouldn't have made it. And in around, I think, three years, two and a half, three years, I reached that goal. I got that role that I had been wanting, me thinking that it'd take me much longer. I got there in three years and I felt nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like it probably lasted maybe a good three seconds. I was like, yay, I got it. And then it was like, oh, okay, cool. So that's it. Uh, That's it. And I felt nothing. And, you know, there there was the feeling of nothingness. And then what also came was, I think, and this is probably the salt bay on top, which was the there was 80% of my team that was very happy for me. But there was also probably 20% of the team that was like, who the heck is this Anita person who has just, you know, come around and, you know, started to, you know, take our roles, which I didn't take their roles, but it's it's like we're all in the same role here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was that feeling of, oh, just excluding me from meetings or just rolling their eyes in meetings, excluding me <sighs> from emails. And that was the moment that clicked. I was like, you know what? I literally said this to my director then. I was like, I, I think I'm going to go. And he was like, oh, you, you want to take some time off work? You know, you know, you've got a few things. And I was like, no, I'm actually going to go. He was like, why don't you take some time off to think about that? And I'm like, I'll take you on that. I'll I'll go home. (laughs) But I'll tell you the same thing tomorrow. (laughs) I'm going. (laughs) I'm going to go. And I almost felt the words leave my mouth before actually believing it. Like I actually said it before even thinking about it. So you know how a lot of the time people think and think and rehearse what they're going to say. They send that sympathy card to their boss. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but they rehearse. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that, but now I can't. Yeah. I'm so sad. But I know we can't. <laughs> but, um, you know, people rehearse what they're going to say to their boss, right? I didn't, to be honest. I literally, it was almost like a ticking time bomb that was like, you know what? No, 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 no. I am going to go. Uh, and then I went home. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> shoot I did that (laughs) yeah it was like accumulation um of things that happened that led me to that click moment and I think what I would say to those who maybe are in that bottling up stage or maybe they're just like thinking about it but they're so scared of leaving because there is nothing natural about leaving something that is stable there is nothing And my husband actually just left his corporate job earlier this year. Um, 
And that was the thing that he was saying. He was like, oh, it's really scary. Where, where will my next lead come? Where, where will, how will I know this was, will work out? And I guess if that is you right now and you're on that edge and you're thinking about it, I will probably say, honestly, so ask yourself, in five years' time, do you honestly feel and know that you will feel that fulfillment and zing in that role that you're in right now? If you kept doing what you're doing, whatever it looks like, will you feel that zing like and that excitement to turn up on Mondays or whether or not it's virtually or in person to your role and feel excited? And to some, people might actually be like, you know what, yeah. Like, I actually really, really see that. And I really can see the potential of this business or this organization or this role that I'm in. And if that's the case, amazing. Because starting a business is not for everyone. And staying in the corporate job, I know one of my best friends, she's in a corporate role and she loves it and she's killing it. So it's not to say that you've got to choose one side or the other. But, 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 if you're saying, I don't know, I don't think this is my forever. Uh, and I honestly don't know how long I'm going to last, like things are happening, it's just things I don't agree with, it's not value aligned, then I would say, what is the worst thing that could happen if you were to give that a go? How hard would it be for you to actually get another job maybe in a year? Give yourself a time, a year, give it a good hot crack, a year, and if it doesn't work out, no doubt, even if it's not the same role, you'll be able to get a job at McDonald's. You'll be able to get a job at Australia Post because I'm no doubt they're looking. <laughs> you will be able to find a role. So why not believe in yourself and give yourself that chance and actually give it a hot crack because you will regret it. If you honestly will keep being in that role and you're feeling that, you'll reach your 70s or 80s or 90s and you'll literally, what, what are you going to say? You're not going to be like, oh, I wish I made more money. You're not going to say, oh, I wish I worked longer hours. You're not going to say, oh, I wish I got XYZ level in my corporate job um, and made my boss happy. No, you're going to be like, oh, I wish I did something different. Or I wish I did something for me. I wish I spent more time with my family. Or I wish I made cool memories instead of being stuck in a place that I didn't feel that satisfaction and fulfillment. So lean on that. Like literally think about what your 80-year-old self would say to you. Because I feel like wise 80 year really, she'll probably be in like a floral print. <laughs> like an 80-year-old <laughs> Anita. Would Definitely. <laughs> Maybe confetti. Yeah, that's what uh, 80-year-old Anita would probably say. Just be like, do something fun today. Like, why do you have to wait until Christmas? Or why do you have to wait until the weekend? Do something fun today, Anita. Do it. Do mm. it. Do it. <laughs> oh, I love it. How can we get better at listening to our heart mm. as opposed to letting our head make all the decisions? Mm. That's that's a hard one because, again, for the overachievers already, every single time you're approached with a decision, you probably have in your head like a pros and cons list with like the probability of like, you know, your brain is already working at a million miles per hour, you know. I think I can quickly share a quick activity which has really helped me. I think for you to actually lean more, for anyone who's listening, who wants to lean more into their heart and their intuition or even just like that gut feeling, um, instead of always leaning in, oh, but my head is telling me to stay in this corporate job because it's stable, 
you first of all, and I'll share this activity, it's really simple and you can literally do this anywhere, anytime. Obviously, don't do it when you're driving. So maybe pause this if you're listening and you're driving. (laughs) I did this when I was in that burnout phase and it gave me a lot of time because I literally had five weeks, five, six weeks that I had off and I just sat there, I read books, I literally did nothing because I didn't have the energy to do anything else two and a half years ago when I burnt out. And I went through this exercise where I really got clear on what life meant. And I know this sounds deep, but stay with me here. But what life actually meant for Anita and what work actually meant for Anita. So this is actually a exercise that was done. um, So I didn't make this one up. It was actually done by two uh, Stanford University professors uh, in, uh, and there's also a book about this called Designing Your Life, where they actually help you understand how you can more strategically, intentionally design your life and find that fulfillment, not just in by the time you reach 60 or 65, but like today and right now. So I got very clear on what life meant for Anita. And that meant this isn't just about, you know, I life is all about, you know, yes, there's an element of freedom, but what what does that freedom actually mean? And what does that actually uh, look like and feel like? So I got very clear on the things that matter to me in life. Like, why are we here? Like, why are we actually, like, I don't even know the actual statistics, but you're already winning by actually being alive. Yeah. So why are you actually here? And it's going to be a different question, uh, question and answer in a way for everyone, because, you know, for me, the three things that really kept on coming up was this element of um, learning. So I felt like for me, like every day I, I wanted to learn something. So I felt like that was growth for me. There is nothing that excites me more than to learn something that I didn't know yesterday. Mm-hmm. So learning for me was what life is all about. Like we go through hard experiences. We go through exciting experiences. We go through painful experiences, but that is all like learning and growth. So that was a big part um, of that. Uh, another thing was legacy for me. Like I, you know, again, without sounding dark, like we're, we're going to die. <laughs> we're going to die uh so it's almost like what is that message big message you want to share out there when they are i don't know reading reading out who anita is who michelle is who da 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 is like what are they saying about you who do you want to be and when i got really clear on life that was one category then i got really and this is just journaling you can just journal it you can just write it down the second part of this was what uh i saw work to be So again, this is going to be different for everyone. What does work actually mean for you? Why do we actually even work? And it's interesting when we think about that. Like we spend 70%, if not more, of our time. And that is obviously just counting the the freaking rent-free space that it's occupying our brains as well. Uh, But the amount of time we spend working, why? Why do we actually work in the first place like is it purely for money is it for impact is it a transaction is it contribution to the world again it's going to be different answers for everyone but when you can get really clear on what work actually means for you not anyone else but you and get very clear on what life feels like and looks like for you then whenever you're faced with a difficult situation a hard 
you know, uh, decision that you might need to make, you go back to what this actually means, what life or what work means for you, and you lean on that. Because that is when you know you're able to then look at it and actually be like, well, is this... So, for example, I'll give you an example. When it comes to new business ideas, <laughs> I have a note section on my phone, yeah. which is literally like, oh, this is a genius idea at 2 a.m. <laughs> in the morning. And then I wake up and I'm like, what the heck is that? Uh, but... <laughs> I could really go on and execute all of them. Uh, but then I'm always asking, but is this going to meet what I see work to be and what life is going to be? Is that going to give me the freedom that I want? Probably not. Like, am I going to create a legacy from that and actually, well, I don't know. That was just a really random freaking idea I had. and <laughs> I don't know if I can really say that. So I think that would be what I would say. Really get clear on what life means for you and what you want to get out of life. What do you want to get out of it? Because we're all going to die. And also uh, work, what you want to get out of your work. Because we spend 70, if not more, percent of our time working. So what do you want out of your work? And this could be something related to even how you want your ideal workday to look like. And I've literally journaled on this consistently, how I want my ideal day to look like. I would, yeah, I, I can almost talk about it back to front. But the more and more you know it, the more and more when you're faced with decisions, you're like, well, actually, no, that's not going to sink. That's not going to sink with what I've got here, what I want, what I want to become. <laughs> I just, I freaking could listen to you for days. <laughs> I absolutely love this and I'm just nodding along. You guys can't see me, but I am nodding. She's nodding. <laughs> How do we, I think... So much of what you're saying is like, yes, you know, and I think it's just not talked about enough. But I think there's also a courage piece and a bravery piece in all of this. How can we get courageous after becoming clear on what it is that we want to do or what we want our workday to look like or whatever it may be, and then actually have that and build that bravery and that courage to actually go out there and do it. I feel like they're very different two different things how do we do that Mm. I think when it comes to bravery and courage the biggest reason why people don't end up putting their story out in the first place or don't end up doing the thing that they want is actually less about their ability and their willingness but it's actually more about their fear of one either not uh reaching that goal so actually that's one another thing is what people will think so a lot of the time it's actually not about their ability to or the willingness to but it's actually like what would happen if this doesn't work out this or what will happen if my mum sees this or my ex-employer sees this so as you mentioned when we start to become aware of why we're actually not doing it. So whether or not it is why you're not putting a story out there, why you're not putting your offer out there and get really clear on why. And I'd highly recommend, I still do this too to this very day because I get scared. I get nervous when I put myself out there. If you're really asking, okay, but am I not putting this out there because I'm scared of my ex-employers looking? Am I afraid of that? I then reframe it and be like, okay, but what if there was that one person out there And I call this like the power of one. But what if there was just that one person out there whose life could change 
If I simply just shared my story or if I simply put my offer out there or if I simply talked about my product or my service and that one person who has been waiting to hear that story or that message, whatever I'm sharing out there, their life could change. But I'm withholding it because I'm so scared of what it's going to make that person who probably doesn't even care about what it is that I do. Um, And I reframe it and I switch the thinking from less about, okay, but what will people think to, but what if I don't share this? Um, and what if this message can impact and change the life of that one person? Because at the end of the, the day, that's all that matters for me. Like, it's not about pleasing every single person on earth. Like, it's just the impact of that, even just one person. If I'm on a stage talking and there is one person in that room who were able to leave their corporate job because they heard my story, <laughs> amazing. Win. That's incredible. <laughs> even th- that makes all the nerves of me speaking on stage, all that worth it. So I, that's what helps me. So, so valuable. Oh my goodness. I love this. I am, I want to keep going. I'm just so mindful of your time. I want to talk a little bit about WordFetty and how the business idea came about. So, you know, it's early 2017, you're still hustling away, you know, (laughs) but you have this burning desire and those two moments hit you, you know, and you're like, I'm going to leave. What happened after that and where did the idea for WordFetty come about? Mm, so WordFetty was actually my sole, no, third uh, side gig. So I actually had two other side gigs that failed before WordFetty. The first one was actually in photography, which is just so random. But just because you can hold a camera does not mean you should be a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no. So, but uh, don't get me wrong. I love taking photos and all of that, but, um, it just wasn't my thing. So the second thing that I did was, uh, I started a business, uh, doing succulent plants, like really cute ones with my mom because mom loves plants and she's, she plants everything. But what's not good about that is Anita has a brown thumb. She kills terrariums. She knows nothing about plants and actually is not excited about plants. Like... (laughs) So that didn't last long either. That lasted maybe six months. Um, and WordFetty came about because, so Word, the, the name itself, I always asked myself when it came to naming a brand, like, what did I want people to feel? Uh, and when it came to copywriting and writing words and creating content, people always feel overwhelmed. People get frustrated or people think writing is boring. Um, I think when people think writing, they think like novels, they think like long essays, they think white papers and it's boring and it's daunting and waste of time, da 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 So then I really wanted to flip it and be like, okay, but what's how can we make this fun? How can we make this brand fun? So that was when um, I guess the word confetti came. And then I was going to call it word confetti, but I'm like, what a mouthful. Let's combine the two words. So then I called it word fetti and I was like, done. Like it was literally in around 10 minutes. I did a podcast episode about this too. Literally 10 minutes. I was like, word fetti. So yeah, let's go with it. Registered (laughs) um, all the trademarks and all of that for it. Um, And it kind of came about because people kept on asking me to help them with their copy, like with their content. And this isn't just restricted to websites our ceo when i was in corporate literally had me write his message wow. <laughs> is literally I, my my husband now a boyfriend then but a husband now like i was writing his cover letters wow. i was writing a lot of my friends and helping them proofread their cover letters <laughs> 
I was I was just writing content without even knowing that this is something that I just really enjoy doing. I just love storytelling. I love being able to hook or actually get attention from a reader mm. and take them on a journey. So it just started from that. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just start doing this for a few other people who want me to do it under what fitter. It kind of snowballed from there. We really grew and scaled as an agency to begin with. So the first three years of the business, because I didn't know anything else. Like I, I was just like, well, that's how you scale, right? Like I had incredible business mentors who were like, oh, you know, hire this and hire an account manager and hire like a general manager and you scale like that. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Uh, But that was also when something just didn't feel right. Like, and I I really want to talk about this because I feel like not many people talk about it, but we, I started to grow the business based on what others thought was success and what they want to see WordFetty as, less about what I saw success was. What was really a like light bulb moment was when I actually started to get so anxious in the morning. Like I felt so anxious and I didn't even feel that when I was in my corporate job. Um, I felt so anxious in the morning. Like literally as soon as I wake up anxious, I it would be 6 a.m. anxiousness. I would already dread the amount of emails, the amount of... And don't get me wrong, I love like working with my clients. And this is where it got really confusing because I'm like, I freaking love working with my clients. Why do I feel this way? And that was when I, you know, I shared with you that um, activity. The biggest reason now on reflection is because for me, like I didn't want to lose sight of the client stories. That's what I fell in love with. When I first started WordFetty, being able to be on the phone with them or Zoom for the two hours, getting to know their story, but I had to lose that because when you start to scale as an agency, you have to let all of that go. Like you can't be the person running the workshops anymore. You can't be the person listening to the stories anymore. You had to let that go. So even though we were working with the most incredible brands, Because we were scaling so fast, like I wasn't able to do a lot of those elements um, that I really like enjoyed and really made me zing. So that was when I, I guess, fourth year in. So just before COVID 2020, I flipped the business model. And this is before COVID. Um, I again put myself like far, like four four weeks away and hashed out a bit of a plan. And we flipped the business to eighty percent digital. So we enveloped everything um, that we did for our clients, and we enveloped that and launched it into a course. So that now takes up our online learning arm. Now takes up eighty percent, and this is incredible because. Now, organizations are able to invest in their staff through that and we're able to still help them. And if they still need our help, then I'm able to, so I now consult, but I'm able to not, like, instead of burning myself out, I only work with a small select of clients in the year to be able to go deep with them because that's what makes me zing. So that's kind of like the non-linear rollercoaster journey that's led me to do what I do, a lot of road bumps and hazard cones to then get me to ask those deeper questions. Like, what does success mean for me? How do I want to create impact? And what makes me zing? And leaning more into that. Oh, Anita. She's about to burst into confetti. You are so right. (laughs) Every time I hear your story, it just gets better and better. And I think, you know, also 
in some as someone in a similar position to where perhaps you were a couple of years ago, it's so insightful to see and to hear and to think about this stuff before it's almost happened to you or, you know, you're kind of going through it or, you know, so I'm sure I definitely am taking a lot of value from this and I'm sure our peers out there listening are also. So look, I am so mindful of your time. So I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I love the word failure. I actually call it flirting. It's like a failure in learning. <laughs> it's a new word. Uh, flirting. Um, my biggest flirting would definitely have to be when I simply just grew the business based on what everyone else told me was success. And I didn't for one moment consider what success actually looked like but also felt like for me because it's so much less than how much money you make and that goal that you reach. But how does success actually feel like for you? And like I said in sharing my story, like the first three, four years of starting a business, I just listened to everyone else around me because I didn't know anything, but I also didn't believe in me. I didn't believe I had the answer. I didn't believe that I knew that I could make whatever it is that made me zing work so then I listened to everyone else around me. I was just like, what, do you, what would you do? <laughs> and that was my biggest flirting because the failure was I was handing the remote control over to someone else. But the biggest learning is that then resulted in me well, realizing that I was waking up feeling anxious and literally feeling short of breath and feeling so anxious about the day to then being like, well, hang on a second. Why is this happening? Got me to go deep to then create this business now where I am literally just in zing every day. Like it is just incredible. Was it easy to get to flip and go? No. In fact, like it it took us a good year uh, of 2020 to actually go through this shift because creating an online program is one thing. That's 20%. 80% is knowing how to full, like how to update it because you want to continuously update it. The customer experience, the student experience. But I love it because I'm learning. So that takes me to my biggest win, which is now I'm able to actually say that we've, the online program and our online school, like, it takes up 70 to 80% of the business now. Like it takes up 70, 80% of the business. And we're working with the most incredible brands as well. Like I have the just incredible honor to be working with the most incredible brands on um, a consulting basis now. And I'm able to get in a way the best of both worlds, but in my, my kind of definition. And because of that, in a way, like everyone around me wins, like I said, because clients are getting the best of me and my team and my husband is not getting grumpy Anita. Um, I'm able to spend time with my mom as well and, you know, my friends and all that, which I didn't, wasn't able to really. Um, so, yeah, that's my biggest win. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh my goodness, Anita, you know, look over the last five years and especially over the last two years, I feel you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received so much recognition for your work, but even outside of that, you've really just dived deep into you and into what makes you tick. And, you know, I think all of our peers out there listening and definitely myself, I think we just appreciate you for that because you show us that it's possible to actually do what we care about on the day to day, not burn ourselves out and also make that idea of success 
that we have come to life. And for that, we really appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much oh. for inviting me to be on the podcast. You're awesome. You're awesome. Love you, <laughs> so, the final <laughs> so the final question is how we finish every episode of the okay. Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I guess that is almost like a full circle uh, to everything that we've been discussing. I think life is such a precious thing. It can literally zap in and out at any moment. And I think it's almost like flipping your question, like what is the actual cost of not pursuing that? Like, if we don't actually go straight on into what we're passionate about and what makes us excited and no, you're not going to wake up in the morning and know exactly what that is because Anita didn't want to be a lawyer or, you know, all of that. But, you know, if you don't at least like just be open and be curious to finding what that is and going all in once you found it, then the cost of that is like, you're not, you're not really living. You're just literally letting life drive you. Like you're not the one taking the wheel. You're actually a passenger in this thing called life. So I would highly suggest that you shove that and actually sit in the driver's wheel and actually take it for a drive. And you might find that the scenery, the journey that you're going to get during that, no, it's not going to be just straight line because that's boring, but you're going to go towards different windy roads. You're going to take the scenic route. That is where like the real beauty is when you're actually in the driver's seat and you get to choose where you're going to go. So, yeah. Anita. Oh my goodness. Anita, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We have had an absolute blast and honestly, you are just such an awesome human. Where can we learn more about you and Word Fetty? Oh, I've been loving this. There's just been lots of giggles, right? (laughs) Like throughout the entire time. I'm just laughing at our own jokes. Um, (laughs) But I would love to connect. You can best find me on Instagram at AnitaSeek, A-N-I-T-A-S-I-E-K. Uh, the brand WordFetty, uh, also on Instagram or LinkedIn if you want to hang out there. Um, and we also have a podcast, Brand Fetty. So as you can see, yeah. I can really, uh, I really like the Fetty, Brand Fetty as well. <laughs> it's all Fetty. We're fetting it up. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. For everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>